Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Wednesday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday, May 20th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. The only reason I got the date so quickly is when you told me on Monday it was the 18th, despite my watch saying it was the 13th. Um, so I got, got my clock up to date on my hand. Now we're good to go. A lot to get into today. This is a packed show. Uh, Ole Miss has announced a home-at-home with USC since we last hopped on this podcast. Uh, there's a bit of recruiting drama, it seems, between two, at least two players, but that were on Mississippi State's roster, announced their intentions to transfer and appear to be trending towards Ole Miss, including one in Fabian Lovett, who had been kind of, uh, I, I, I thought he announced his plan to enroll at he did state but has since uh since according to reporting from 247 seems to be trending in the other direction a lot of that type of stuff to get into but first i would like to congratulate all of the graduating seniors in the class of 2020 and more specifically the as crack family and their son harry on a wonderful 2020 (laughs) graduation (laughs) i can't believe that happened that made rex chapman's twitter (laughs) what's up i'll turn it to you there uh, my favorite part about that video is Tate Reeves knew the second he read that name that he read that name. You know what I mean? Like he's going through it pretty quickly and he reads Harry as crack and he looks down like, oh shit, I just read that, didn't I? And he paused for like a good five seconds before he went to the next name. Whoever did it, it's perfectly executed hook, line and sinker. Cause I mean, you can't really blame Reeves there, right? He's really, he's reading a list presumably a hundred names, hundreds of names. I don't, I didn't, I don't know the full context of what was going on, but if he's reading graduating seniors, that's a lot of names. And like, it would have fooled yeah. me too. Cause like when you're on the paper, I mean, the name Harry doesn't like seem anywhere outside the ordinary. Although I don't know that many people who name their sons Harry at this point. Cause that's one of the generic names that has gone by the wayside that we talk about before, but then it's a last name that starts with AZ and you're trying to phonetically pronounce it while on television or whatever streaming whatever like i mean it's a perfect hook line and sinker but like i mean you you can't fall like reeves should not have dodged this uh this trap door like i I just don't see any way around it he was just sunk from the beginning it was well executed yeah and i saw people were like did he not even proofread all the names it's like who would have done that you wouldn't have done that come on now (laughs) like criticize the governor for doing like governor things if you want, but nobody's proofreading a list of, a list of graduation names when they have to sit on Facebook live for three hours and read them. Like that's not happening. It's poor guy. Just as soon as it came out of his mouth, he was like, Oh crap. But again, I don't know what else you're going to do. It's just a perfectly well executed prank. I mean, mad props to whoever did that. That is hook, hook line and sinker and i just don't think i mean it was a well-hidden trap door i mean it, I, I don't know what else to say about it but aside and from that tate reeves he made a funny joke on twitter too about it like credit to him, him like he didn't get pissed off. off or anything yeah he said he was looking forward to uh congratulating the dover family for their son ben graduating like that's funny that is good that shows some self-awareness good for tate i didn't act, i haven't seen that yet but uh that's good to hear i mean whatever it's just it was you can't get, i mean nobody watched that and didn't think it was funny i mean just 
Because <laughs> it's clearly not something he did. It's just, oh, man. So, stuff like that. One, I mean, hell, it made Rex Chapman's Twitter page. And I think Rex Chapman has the only type of humor in 2020 that no one finds problematic at this point, which is saying something. So, obviously, it was just good, clean, old-fashioned family fun uh, if it made his Twitter page. But, anyway, that was great stuff. Aside from that, we got a bunch to get into today. Uh Oh, what a night not- last night, huh? I mean, you say, you didn't say the year. It feels like we're in 2014 all over again, man. We've got uh, cheating accusations, and um, this person was reported to the SEC office, and all, all of this stuff happening all over again, man. It's like things are finally getting back to normal around here. I love it. Yeah, I don't, which is probably why I'm quitting Super Talk and moving to Alaska. So, sarcastic there. No, no, no this- yeah, I, I caught that. I was just adding on to it. I, but uh, yeah, I just what, no sense in burying the lead here. Last night, I guess it was Mississippi State's two four seven site. Make sure I have that right. That reported that Jerry and Jones, uh, rising sophomore defensive back for Mississippi State. I believe he's a rising sophomore. I think he played in more than four games. For former four star kid from Brandon had announced his intention to transfer from Mississippi State and was leaning heavily in the direction to Ole Miss. That's the gist of the reporting as I understand it. Uh, and then there was he also... He was apparently in Oxford this past weekend. There's been some pictures floating around of him wearing Ole Miss gear in town this weekend. Whether or not those are accurate and those were recently, I mean, who knows, but that is also out there. Pictures of him wearing Ole Miss stuff in town you know- and apparently this weekend. Look, one of the things that, that you might have an advantage for is it's a lot easier to, for recruiting writers and recruiting reporters to be creepy at bars on these recruiting weekends this winter if it's at 25 or 50% capacity. So congrats to them. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, have, I actually have not seen these. <laughs> I have not seen these photos. But, yeah, I mean, and that obviously caused a story. And then I believe there was a separate story that, that came uh, out that Fabian Lovett, who transferred from Mississippi State, uh, that was actually a direct response. Like in, his primary reason for transferring came in wake of the Mike Leach uh, news tweet uh, catastrophe. And you're going to have to refresh my memory here because I know we discussed it on radio, but obviously this is not really the area that I covered. So I don't remember the details of it. What it was like right at the beginning of quarantine, he tweeted a, a quarantine joke about like husband and wives basically. It was, each other. Yes. It was an old lady knitting a noose and it said two weeks into quarantine, uh, whatever her name was, Betty is knitting a new scarf for her husband. Yeah. But obviously coach in Mississippi can't really do new stuff in Mississippi. What I'm not like, I'm not really at Liberty to say right, wrong, too sensitive and sensitive. Like who am I to tell anyone that particularly a, uh, a young African-American kid, whether he should feel comfortable with that or not. I'm not going there at all. But anyway, Fabian Lovett announced his attention, intention to transfer, and he was a starter, right, on Mississippi State's defensive line, if I'm not mistaking, this past year. Uh, if he wasn't, he was absolutely going to be. Slated to be one in 2020, uh, which I understand not guaranteed for Jerry and Jones, but it was definitely in a mix because, you know, high-rated kid. But anyway, Lovett announced a couple of weeks later – his intention to enroll at Florida State, but in another 247 story uh, now seems to be trending towards heading to Ole Miss. Uh, two natural ties in this story. Obviously, Deke Adams was at Mississippi State, now at Ole Miss. And Terrell Buckley, who recruited Jerry and Jones, 
uh, it is was at Mississippi State and now has joined Lane Kiffin's staff at Ole Miss. So two pretty easy ties there. I mean, obviously, if you keep up at all with modern college recruiting, like position coaches, guys that recruit these kids, they're especially tight with. It makes sense, but no, you know. it doesn't make sense. What are you talking about, Rippy? No, that's that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would these guys that went to school to play for two assistant coaches want to continue? playing for those assistant coaches there's I mean that's not true it's got to be some kind of grand conspiracy that Greg Sankey is now involved in no it can't be that they just wanted to play for their position coaches they love it's got to be something much darker and deeper and those racist T-Sun cheating bears up there are doing something nefarious again and not that these kids wanted to play for the assistant coaches that they liked so much definitely can't be that yeah, so I have uh, I have not gotten off in the weeds of the message board yet, but I th- care to fill. See, man, a- that's the thing. I don't care about what random people say on message boards because most people that spend time on message boards are idiots, and message boards are very much like Twitter. Uh, sure, either one, um, <laughs> and I I equate them to Twitter. Like, the voice on Twitter is not the voice of the general public. Same thing with message boards. Like, the way people act on message boards, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, is not a reflection of the fan base at all. It just, they are a very vocal, I'm sorry, my little guy squeaking down here, uh, that new noise he learned, he loves. Sounds like a baby bird. Um, But it's not a reflective of the fan base at large, I don't think. Uh, So I don't really care about, like, what Elite Dog says. That Whatever. It's the people that are, get credentialed to games that are technically working media that are peddling some of this stuff. I mean, that's the exhausting and embarrassing part of this. It's not the idiot on the message board. It's the person that operates the message board and gets credentialed and is working media that, that peddle this kind of stuff. That's what's so sad about the, the, the environment in this state from a media side is – that can go on. That, that kind of stuff can be peddled all day long. But it's me who has the anti-Mississippi State um, label. When I would never, ever, ever, ever say the things about Mississippi State that these people say about Ole Miss. But our show and our network and our stations have an anti-Mississippi State problem. And I would never say the things that they do, ever. Not even in private. I would never do that. And yet, here it is. Yeah, I mean, look, I haven't, like, looked at any of this stuff. I don't have a a subscription to any message board site in the state of Mississippi. I just don't. And that's not, like, me taking some high and mighty stance. I'm just never, like— once I really got interested in the stuff, I always worked for places that didn't like like that didn't do message board stuff, whether it's newspapers or Super Talk or here or whatever. I just have never gotten one. Like I, I'm not, there's no really reason behind it. But I haven't seen a lot of this. But I kind of know what you're alluding to in terms of what being posted by certain people on a certain uh, Mississippi State message board site. Whatever. I I just think that all oh, that shit is dumb. I mean, I, I'll never forget. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, so forgive me. But one of my last days in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, I think something flared up with Egg Bowl Twitter or something like that. But we were just talking about something in the cafeteria at Great American Ballpark. And I started explaining to them the media landscape. And this is, this is for all of you people that think this happens everywhere and this is normal. 
every college like fan, like media contingent has like fans that just like are openly unabashedly fans of whatever team, whatever. I don't necessarily have a huge problem with it if that's the stick they want to go with. Like I'm not going to tell other people what to do. But it takes it to another level in Mississippi because I was trying to explain to them the media dynamic in this state and a certain person in particular they didn't believe was real until I showed them an ESPN story about the saga that ended up bringing down Hugh Freeze. And like so they just they didn't believe he was a real person. Like I had to pull up a story and I had to show them like evidence. I was like I swear to god this is real. It was literally a story too too insane for, you know, a fairly normal group of baseball writers to believe. And so yeah, it's not normal. This does not happen everywhere. I don't really want to get too far off into the weeds of it, um, but you know, it is what it is. But from a from from I guess kind of an above ground standpoint, this is fairly interesting that two guys from Mississippi State are come are at least considering, or there's severe to be heavy smoke towards them coming to Ole Miss uh, at two positions of need that they lost a decent bit on one at the defensive line, and the second one. You don't really have two cemented corners. I mean, you feel pretty good about DeAndre Prince, who withdrew his name from the transfer portal. And then, uh, uh, what am I? I? The sophomore, how am I blanking on this now? It is May, and I haven't looked at a, <laughs> looked at a depth chart in uh, two months. The, uh, anyway, bear with me. But anyway, it's two positions of need for Ole Miss. Their position coaches are there. This is certainly interesting, but the optics of it is kind of weird just because of, you know, uh, rivalry stuff and whatnot. Kedron Smith, I have no idea how I blanked on that for that long. But outside of that, you don't really have a cemented starter at second corner. I would guess it's him. Uh, Ja'Cory Hawkins probably has a decent shot at it. But, like, you don't have a cemented second corner, and that's definitely a position need for Ole Miss. Uh, You know, you've got Katie Hill, Quentin Bivens, Tariqis Tisdale on the defensive line. Don't necessarily know what that's going to look like. He lost a lot, particularly Benito Jones, Josiah Coatney. Two positions of need for Ole Miss is basically what I'm getting at. Pretty much, yeah. And it's not exactly uncommon to have players uh, transfer from one rival to the next. I know Ohio State and Michigan has had that happen before. In fact, we had a women's basketball player. um, I know that's not football or anything, but transfer from Ole Miss to Mississippi State recently. It's not entirely uncommon, especially when it's two schools that, within the state, recruit the same players, by and large. So um, it's an interesting dynamic, but it's not like this is uh, unique in any way. I mean, again, Ohio State and Michigan had this happen to them. A guy transferred from Michigan to Ohio State, became a starter, and then beat Michigan twice. That just That's not as uncommon as, as I guess people around here think it is. Yeah, I would tend to agree. But anyway, I just woke up this morning with quite a few text messages and stuff, and it just had a very 2014-ish vibe, as as you alluded to earlier. But, you know, whatever. We'll kind of see how this plays out in the next couple of days. But definitely a situation to to monitor going forward. But, I mean, two guys that Ole Miss could certainly use. I don't really know what Jerry and Jones is as a prospect. I've seen Ole Miss. Mean, obviously, he hasn't seen much on – on tape with him on the field, I think he played in five games last year, had like 12 tackles, I think seven solo, five assists, something like that. Played a decent a decent bit, obviously was not not all a starter, but saw action in five games. I think he saw four games plus the bowl game. Played a bunch in their win over, I think that's Abilene Christian. And uh, anyway, so I don't know. It'll be something to monitor going forward, but definitely to uh, – two positions of need for Ole Miss and two pretty good prospects or at least highly rated when they came out of high school. So anyway, 
Uh, that's about as above ground as I can make that without going off in the weeds of, uh, you know, egg bowl, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's just childishness. Oh, come on. Point, let's but... do let's do an hour of it. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I think that there's a cap on the audience for that, if I had to guess, even though some people want you to believe it's much larger than it is. But that's neither here nor there. Oh, come on. It would be fun. I, when did this like when did this like cut like I, I obviously I saw the reporting from 247 last night in the two stories but like I when did this blow up did I, am I just an old man did I go to bed too early I don't I don't um right after the the most recent uh transfer was announced and I guess man see I don't know if it's true or not but apparently he was in and around Oxford this weekend and and so people put one and two together I suppose and then everything went wild from accusations of tampering, which, by the way, nobody gives a shit about tampering, not even the NCAA, even if it did happen, which it may have, um, but nobody cares. And then it just it blew up from there. So I don't, I don't know when that happened. Uh, I'm with you. I got, I got sent a, a few screenshots from a Mississippi State message board uh, that I guess a friend of mine pays for access for. I don't know how 24-7 works. Um, so I don't know if like he buys a Mississippi State site, which is a sad indictment on him. If so, or uh, maybe you just have access to them all. But either way, he sent me some screenshots of things that were said from people that run the site, and it's just it's uh, just not a good look, uh, if nothing else. But it's it's 2014 all over again. <laughs> oh, lovely! Cannot wait. But anyway, yeah. So I actually I've I've, I've just now acquired this or acquired, pulled up this photo of this kid. It looks like something he posted himself, obviously on campus at at Ole Miss, but whatever. I don't really have a ton else to say. Obviously, as we pointed out, not really our niche to do like a ton of recruiting, but you know, this was a topical story. So anyway, I'll tell you what's not unusual is going to LB. We're supposed to do an hour on it. Come on, man. (laughs) We got, uh, you're going to have to carry the load the other 45 minutes because I might vomit. (laughs) But I tell you what does not make you vomit. I'm sure this is a plug Greg will love. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Best place in Mississippi to get meat. Weather's awesome. It's grilling season. Uh, No better place to go check out what you want to throw on the grill than LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, I hope we're inching closer to a football season where Greg the Meat Sharp will now make us money again. But uh, go in there, go by and see him, maybe demand some UFC picks. I don't know what he's been dabbling in these days in terms of uh, in terms of action. But he can hook you up with a good steak. They've got custom cuts, sausages, lane train special, Keith Carter special, all kinds of delicious stuff. If, if you want to get hungry, go check out his Twitter page at LB's underscore meats. It is absolutely delicious. But uh, you cannot go wrong going to LB's, I promise. Greg's been great to us. Great to the show. I appreciate it. Local businesses now need you more than ever. Go check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. A second piece of football news that happened since the last time we convened on this here show is Ole Miss signed a, or signed, uh, just announced a home and home with USC in 2025 and 2026. This is interesting because this is a, I mean, this is a big name, brand name program for Ole Miss. I believe they go to, they go to Los Angeles in 2025 and Southern California makes the return trip to, uh, to Oxford in 2026. I imagine Clay Helton will really be on the hot seat then. 
But this is a big deal. I mean, this is something – it makes sense. Lane Kiffin, you know, kind of mentioned U.S. in the statement that they sent out in the release that, you know, USC always been a special place. Great to kind of get the two sides together. I believe it will be uh, USC's first trip to the state of Mississippi. I think the only Pac-12 school Ole Miss has ever played is Cal uh, in Berkeley in 2017. And, of course, this past year in 2019, the uh, – who would have thought for a while that was kind of considered the Elijah Moore game with him going down at the one, but uh, that was topped in November. But anyway, this is a this is an interesting deal. And, and I mean, in terms of, I guess, for a fan's perspective, like from an Ole Miss fan, you, obviously six years off. But like, I imagine that's going to be a destination road trip for a lot of people. It'll be very expensive. But how often are you going to get the chance to go to Los Angeles to watch? you know, whatever team you follow and play college football in a fairly historic stadium. This was a, uh, this is an interesting home and home. And uh, I'm more in favor of the home and home things than the neutral sides, just from a sheer interest standpoint. So uh, this was good to see. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a bucket list trip for people. So especially with years to plan, uh, I expect a, a pretty significant crowd uh, to that game. Um, what do you think? 5,000 or so Ole Miss fans went to Cal a couple years ago, give or take. Maybe a little more than that. Oh, gosh. I, I just remember that stadium not being full, being kind of dead. It may have been more than that. I don't know. I know from – so I was working in in-house media at the time. So I was working for the university, and they treated it like – a uh, kind of like the players' bowl trip because obviously Ole Miss is under a bowl ban. So they went out there on a Thursday, uh, kind of let the players explore around San Francisco and the Bay Area and all that stuff on Friday and kind of made a big trip out of it. I think most people that went out there kind of did the same. I, I honestly, I don't even like most most games. I can kind of remember like what where the Ole Miss section was and kind of what it looked like. I, I I'll be honest with you, I have no clue. I don't remember a ton about that game or what it looked like. I just remember the stadium being cool, albeit kind of empty. But sure, five thousand sounds good. If I had to guess, I I would think that they would at least double that to Los Angeles, maybe even more than that. Look though. You're basing this off the present tense, man. This is six years away. Ole Miss could be <laughs> on two coaches removed from Lane Kiffin and on a postseason ban again. Or they could be, I don't know, ten, you know coming off a 10-2 season in Lane Kiffin's fifth year. Oh, I don't think he, I'm not saying either one of those things is going to happen. But a program that's lacked long-term stability for the last two decades plus – you have no idea where the fan base, like where the temperature of the fan base or what the state of the program is going to be in 2025, 2026. Based off where they are currently right now, I would agree with you. I think they bring a lot of people, but uh, it's just. I think like, every, you didn't need to add that caveat. I think everybody knows that, but. No, no, no. I, but I, like, I, that's almost, I guess I'm in it in the sense like it's kind of a fun game to play. Like, is Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss then just a place that has that not had stability? Like thinking six years in advance, where will Ole Miss be as a program when they go to Southern California in 2025? My guess on Kiffin is no. I mean, though, that would be year six or year seven. Because it, one, one or two things are going to happen. Um, he, it's either going to work and he's going to get fired before then, or it's going to work even at a moderate level and a, a bigger program is going to come in and take a chance on him. That's just my guess. I don't know if, if he wins 
you know, six, seven games this year and then eight or nine the next year. And then he throws a 10 win season in there somewhere. I don't think he's staying at Ole Miss forever only because a big school is going to come give him a shot. That's, that's just my guess. I just don't foresee this partnership being a long-term one because if it works, he's going to get swooped up by somebody bigger. Um, and if it doesn't, that'll be apparent before year six. I'm going to disagree and push back a little bit there because this conversation was had a bunch when Lane Kiffin was hired. But, you know, he's making a bunch of money. Ole Miss proved in the freeze era to some degree they can pretty much pay with just about anyone except for a very small collection of schools that are kind of the elite of the elite of college football. So if it works at Ole Miss and he's built that up, I'm not saying there's nowhere he wouldn't leave to, but I think the pool of schools that would pull him away and want make him go somewhere else is smaller than people lead on. I just think in some ways with how much money all these schools have now, it's a bit of an outdated way of thinking about it because that was kind of the easy narrative when, when he got hired was like, yeah, if he has success, he'll go move on somewhere else. What other, like if, if you're thinking about it right now, what other jobs would Lane Kiffin leave here for? I mean, if, I guess if it's a smashing success and then Saban eventually hmm. retires at the age of 97, Alabama. Um, I guess the question is how many jobs are better than the Ole Miss job right now, right? I guess that's that's the question is how many would you have a coach conceivably leave uh, to go for without uh, hesitating? Because as you said, Ole Miss is going to, as soon as we get through with all this coronavirus stuff, um, Ole Miss has proven to be willing, and I suspect Keith Carter is not going to be a penny pincher, um, to pay what it takes to keep quality coaches around nationally competitive salaries. And so the question is, how many jobs are there that that he would leave for? In the SEC, it is not as many as people say it would be. Is it, though? Like, is it? Is it like, does that question need to be refined more? Because I would say there's quite a few jobs out there that are marginally better that I, that I think are better jobs, but the gap and like the difference between them is not a ton. And so would you leave to take a slightly yeah, better that's, job that's what and I, start over? That's what I was trying to say is there's, I guess there's a difference between jobs that you would say are better and jobs that he would, that, that you would leave for. Like I think Auburn's a better job than Ole Miss, right? I, I think so. But it's not, it's not a no-brainer to leave Ole Miss for Auburn if you're having success at Ole Miss. Eh, tell that to Tuberville, but I agree. Well, things were different then. No, of course. I was mostly just being an ass. I, I agree. <laughs> might be, we brought up all the 2014 stops. Might, not, might, bring the, uh, might as well bring yeah, up seriously. the Pine Box comments to just really get everyone riled up today. But in, in some people in – in SEC land, would would call that sacrilege to say that a coach wouldn't just jump from Ole Miss to Auburn, but I don't think they would. I mean, look, it is a better job, but how much? And the reason that the Auburn job would be open is because somebody failed there, right? I mean, that's usually how it works. Not many coaching jobs come open because a coach was a great success and left behind a great program. It doesn't happen all that often. So are you really going to leave Ole Miss in this scenario where you're having success you're winning eight, nine, maybe ten games a year sometimes. You're recruiting well. They're paying you top ten in the country type salaries to go and rebuild Auburn, where the expectations are are higher, and you have to kind of start over again. And I think that changes the, is Auburn a better job? Because the answer is yes, but are you willing to take the Auburn job if you're having success at Ole Miss? That muddies the water some. 
I agree. And then the other and likely more realistic side of this is that it is not the easiest place to win at and win at long term and have consistency. Uh, you know, Hugh Freeze did it, but didn't really have everything else buttoned up. And so I think obviously the more realistic thing is he's still there just from a success or fit, like from a success standpoint. Like, does he have enough success to last six years? I think he probably could. I mean, particularly where the program's coming off of a four and eight season. I mean, five years with margin, you know, pretty marginal improvement and getting, you know, just not going back to that four and eight mark, I think would, would allow him to stick yeah. around five years. I mean, you got to be Orzron type disaster to not get four here. Um, in my opinion, pretty much. Partic- yeah. Particularly with the way that the state of the program is when he took it over, uh, just from the Matt Luke and the way that ended and all that and the probation, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting, but this is a big deal. Like, I mean, Ole Miss doesn't usually get kind of these national brands, particularly home and homes like this. This was a, uh, but this is also one of the angle I, ha- I haven't really seen anyone hit when talking about this yet. Not that this is some huge national story, but this is part of the perks of get- having Kiffin, right? I mean, like hiring a coach with that kind of name recognition, uh, you know, who, for, for better or worse, has had quite a few jobs uh, to be able to land something like this. So I, I think that's part of it as well. I mean, Ole Miss does probably not, does not schedule a home and home with USC if Wayne Kiffin is not the head coach. And I'm not sure in terms of just like the blue bloods of college football, if Ole Miss gets one a home and home with anyone in this neighborhood, if Wayne Kiffin is not the head coach. Yeah, no, there's not a chance. Um, but but that's what he does, and and that's what we talked about a few weeks ago when it came to recruiting. And that even though um, the the climate around here might tell you otherwise, nationally, Ole Miss is not going to get near the scrutiny for recruiting at a high level as they did under Hugh Freeze because he's an established, um, attractive name. He's a name that people recognize. He's a, a name that. Uh, guys want to play for, and he's got a he's got a brand nationally. I mean, shit. After he got hired at Ole Miss, he's done. I mean, he's done more radio hits on a national level or show appearances on a national platform than Ole Miss's last four coaches combined during their eras, at least. I mean, he's a brand, and so you'll get games like this. Uh, Ole Miss will play in prime time a hell of a lot more moving forward. Uh, because of him, as long as he's the coach there, and, and we'll see how long that is. But games like this don't get scheduled without Lane Kiffin. I mean, they sure as hell don't get scheduled with Matt Luke as, as the coach. And um, it, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I mean, kudos to him for getting it done. And the fun question is whether or not he's going to be there. And there's something you said earlier, too, I, I wanted to get to. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but. Um, you mentioned that Hugh Freeze showed you that Ole Miss can win at a national level, but he didn't have things buttoned up. So I've often thought that Ole Miss is a better job than history shows that it is. And it's mostly because of incompetence at either university leadership or at head football coach. That all it took, or or all it would take, or both at the same time, uh, that all it would take for Ole Miss to be successful and not winning championships every year. They don't have the infrastructure to, to pull that off, but to be nationally competitive uh, is competence it, because as you mentioned, Hugh freeze was nationally competitive and uh, make your, your jokes aside about his recruiting in the NCAA and stuff, but he didn't have a lot of things buttoned up. He was kind of loose and inconsistent. Couldn't put a staff together. Was a nobody when he started and clearly outline from the NCAA investigation was not 
couldn't, didn't know how, or, or chose not to, whatever phrase you want to use, didn't know how to recruit at the, the right way, air quotes, to get these high-profile players without having a paper trail. And all it would have taken for Ole Miss to be successful under Freeze was competence. It, and he didn't have it. Maybe Lane Kiffin's the guy that will show that all that's all it takes. Somebody that just simply knows what they're doing. Now that you have that in the leadership side with Keith Carter, if you have it on the football coach side, they can be consistently competitive at a higher level than they've ever been. Are they winning championships? No, probably not. But I think all it's all it will take for Ole Miss to be good is competence, and they just haven't had it. Yep, I agree. I mean, it's just I, – I don't – I mean, it's interesting that, that Kiffin came in here and started talking about how Ole Miss is going to recruit nationally and try to become a national brand, which is what Hugh Freeze tried to do and in a lot of ways succeeded, just couldn't get out of his own way. So can Kiffin do that and kind of keep everything else uh, – I guess kind of keep everything else straight. So anyway, what a uh, – <laughs> What a day, couple of days on the recruiting trail. But anyway, Ole Miss adds USC as a 2025-2026 home and home series. So I mentioned on Wednesday we were going to maybe go through the basketball schedule for 2020 and just kind of see what they have from a non-commerce perspective. But I would probably hold that until Mailbag Friday. Uh, another thing that we were talking about on radio yesterday that was kind of interesting was the uh, the iconic sports venues. I know Richard kind of kind of dabbled into that on the Twitter sphere after the show yesterday, and I didn't spend a ton of time thinking about it last time, but I got to thinking about it this morning. Uh, what what is your five the most iconic sports venues, not including like golf courses and stuff like stadiums? We were talking about it. I think we were talking about the Superdome. It spawned from us talking about the Superdome losing Mercedes Benz as a partner for them to just kind of solely focus on the Atlanta Falcon stadium, which actually when that went up, I thought it was kind of weird that they were sponsors of both. But uh, anyway, so that got us to think talking and thinking about the most iconic sports venues in the United States. What do you have five? Um, mine's probably not going to differ from Richard's much. I, I don't think that it's, you could probably get 10 and then anything outside of 10 is, is not debatable, but um I think the L.A. Coliseum does belong in that conversation, considering what they've hosted. I mean, two World Cups and two Olympics. Uh, I know we don't immediately think of that, but when you talk about what those events are to the world, and they're about to host another one, another Olympics here, uh, not too terribly long from now, um, it's a huge deal. And so I think the L.A. Coliseum belongs there, uh, not even because of Southern Cal football, but because of the World Cups, and the Olympic Games that they've hosted there. Uh, I also think the Rose Bowl, um, when you talk about football stadiums and iconic venues, uh, the Rose Bowl is the the mecca of college football. And so I think that belongs there. Uh, Madison Square Garden, no-brainer. Uh, I mean, it's it's New York. It's it's the Knicks. It's all the events that they've hosted, and even concerts as well. Like Just the musical acts that have gone through Madison Square Garden is is just... Uh, I think it belongs there. I know we're talking sports venues, but that's just an iconic American just indoor venue for anything there. Um, okay, so that's three, right? Uh, Fenway Park. And I think Fenway and Wrigley both belong on the list as well. And I know that means if I was doing five, I'd leave out the Superdome. But I think those are more iconic 
for a longer period of time. I mean, the history in those two ballparks goes far, far longer than the Superdome's existence. So I think that puts them over the edge. So those are my five. I'll go Fenway. Hmm. Does the 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 way we framed this yesterday is does the dome crack the top five? And it's actually a more interesting argument the more and more you consider it. And I would definitely say top ten, top five. I'm not sure, but I'll go Fenway, Wrigley. Hmm. Coliseum, MSG, and I don't know. Is there like a professional football stadium right now that hosts a bunch of multi-event stuff that's been around a long time? It almost feels like I'm blanking. Yeah, Wait, it's I tough. I mean, like one? Yankee Stadium's out because it's it's been destroyed. Yeah, it's too new. Like the new one, not not yet. Madison Square Garden has pretty much got to be on everyone's list, or you're just you're just bad at this. Because like Madison Square Garden hosts everything. I mean, how they have casual just Billy Joel concerts whenever he wants to play. But so, hmm, I need a fifth. But I'll say the Superdome. There's been enough stuff in there. I'll 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 throw it in the top five. Why the hell not? It's definitely in terms of most recognizable. If you just did the average like dumb dumb fan test and you put up photos of stadiums. Like just aerial views, everyone's going to get the Superdome. So I'll throw the Superdome in there. And it's hosted what? Four Super Bowls. I mean, multiple college football national championship games. Uh, Michael Jordan's national championship uh, uh, win when he was at North Carolina was in the Dome. You had a a massive Ali fight there. Um, Obviously, the, the Saints playing there. And I think it might get pushed over the edge because of what it was during a national, I say national, but during a, a major tragedy that the building still stood. And it, during Katrina, I hardly remember this. I mean, I was I was 14 uh, when, when Katrina hit, so I was aware of what was going on. But all the images were New Orleans were the Superdome, and, and people lived in that building for a while, and then it came back and I mean, continued to, to host these games. I think that might also lead to its uh, iconography, which is a word, by the way. Um, yeah, we decided that yesterday. Oh, it, oh, I knew it was. Richard just, when he was like, what? What, is, what word is that? I questioned myself, and I shouldn't have. Um, I think that leads to its iconography a little bit, though, is what it withstood in, in the imagery of, of people living inside of that building because they had nowhere else to go because their city was underwater. I think means something when you're talking about Iconic sports venues. I don't know why, because it wasn't a game, but I think it I think it means something. I agree. So I think it settles it. I think it's a top five. That obviously does not mean nicest. I mean, honestly, the older you are, the more chance you have to be on this list just because you've seen a lot more. So I agree. But I just found that to be an interesting debate that we just kind of like half-assed put together at the uh, end of the show, like just spawning from a conversation about the Superdome looking for a new sponsor. What would be a pretty cool sponsor for new orleans to have i see a bunch of people made the popeyes joke but i, I just don't see that happening uh no it, my guess the cafe is it's gonna Mon just set up shop <laughs> on top of that thing <laughs> uh the beignet superdome um my guess it's gonna be the hospital system down there what is it Oshner? that that's that's my guess 
Yeah, because that's already got signs all around that place. It's one of the bigger sponsors. I think it has a bunch of stuff in the Smoothie King Center. But yeah, that, and uh, I don't that, think Zatarain's is big enough, right, to to buy the naming rights to something like that. Yes, I don't. I don't. Hell, I don't know. I don't know how any of that stuff works. But it'll be interesting. It's gonna be weird not calling or not seeing the Mercedes Benz thing on the side of the dome. But I don't know. Um, but definitely a cool stadium. I haven't been in the dome in a while. Maybe we get down for a Saints game or something this year. If Outside it even of, happens. Yeah, that's true. If they're allowed to have fans in the stands, if we even have a stadium, uh, and even have a season. What else on the sports front? There wasn't a whole lot of breaking news yesterday. Uh, sports Illustrated dropped a bombshell story that I think we should discuss. Report NBA return, weighing return to play scenarios. Okay, haven't heard this before. And then the article says, the NBA is considering Orlando or Las Vegas as one or two neutral sites to re- resume its season. Whoa, SI with the scoop. Man, and this is that's a bombshell. Like you said yesterday on the radio show, it's a bombshell. I mean, just changes the game. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is what we were talking about last week. The NBA, and maybe SI is just behind because what SI is now is not, like I don't even necessarily know what SI is now with the whole Maven thing and you know, them firing off their most experienced strategies. It used to be kind of like the, the, the gold standard for sports journalism. I'm not trashing SI or anyone who works there now. It's just unfortunately not what it used to be and is changing, but all kinds of media outlets change now. But point being, like, maybe this is SI just being behind or is this the NBA floating out the exact same story over and over again? I don't think – I think it's the latter because this – it basically aggregated a Mark Stein story for the New York Times. The NBA just keeps floating out the exact same story over and over again, that they're considering Orlando and Las Vegas, and uh, there's optimism that it'll return. Like, when are we actually going to have any concrete? It's about to be – they've got 10 days to figure this out. If you don't have this figured out about June 1st, is this really coming back? I would say no. It's going to take three weeks to a month to get everything set up wherever they do decide to play, if they decide to play. I think I'm with you. I think it's already too late to to resume the regular season, even though there was 15 to 20 games left, depending on what team it was. I think it's too late, and they've they've dragged their feet too uh, too far in order to resume a regular season and the playoffs as scheduled. Because I mean, teams are just now opening up their facilities in New Orleans, for example. Uh, they have seven guys that stayed in market, and the rest of the team uh, decided to go home because the restrictions on the facility. Half the team decided, I can get more work done in my high school gym because they'll let me do what I want. The restrictions here are so much that I won't even be able to get work in. And so they're, they, like they left market to go home so they could work out more was the, the reason the team gave yesterday. So if that's really the case, and you just now open your facilities, it's going to take a month to get these dudes comfortable enough to play again. And by then, you can't do a regular season and playoffs because your playoffs take forever. So they're either going to have to just go straight to the playoffs, which will piss a lot of people off, and financially that's a little odd, or they can do what the NHL did, I guess, and expand the playoffs to, I don't know, they've got 16 teams, make it 24 like the NHL did. I don't know, but they are not going to resume as scheduled unless they're going to go into football season, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah, and there's no back end to this. Like all the reporting seems to be that they're just gonna start. Like they're gonna they can start the next season as late as they want to, uh, and probably just trending towards that Christmas start that really everyone's been talking about for uh, years on end now, and kind of wanting to make that happen because the unofficial start of the NBA season is Christmas Day anyway. But yeah, I mean it just feels like they're running out of time, and this was almost 
too good to parody. Like with the SI, like having this headline yesterday. I mean, it literally says report NBA weighing return to play scenarios. Really, in May, when all these, I mean, baseball's about to have a bloody fight about like the money sharing, but at least has a plan when they're going to start. Football's already talking about it. Like the NBA is now returning, I mean, weighing return to play scenarios. Thank you very much. We've heard this for a month now. I just, the NBA just seems to be kind of like putting on a front instead of actually having substantive, substantive whether conversations, action, whatever, to actually make this happen. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to continue to follow, but I just I don't see a lot of concrete uh, stuff happening with regards to the NBA returning. But anyway, do we miss anything else today? I think that was about all we had. Uh, we we breezed through the uh, the beginning of this show and all of the uh, Ole Miss Mississippi State related stuff pretty quickly. Uh, I imagine just for just. I guess here, this is uh, not going to be the end of this, and it's probably going to be a pretty unbearable couple of weeks on the internet. Oh, Rippy, it's never going to stop, man. It's never going to stop. That's what, I love what I do, and I love the state that I do it in. I mean, hell, I met my wife here. Uh, I got educated here. My son was born here. I love this place, but my God, sometimes I, I don't know how some people like just go through their daily lives and exist in society when a player transferring from the, the college football team that they cover makes them go this crazy. I, it just boggles my mind how, how adult people can act like this over a 19-year-old kid's decision. It just it blows me away. You hear it from people that come in here, like really the only type of uh, the the people that that phase in and out of here, like are the newspaper people, like ma- namely the Clarion Ledger. But you hear it all the time. They'll even go on to some other job and be like, "Holy shit, the people in this state are crazy!" Like, like it's a bunch of adults acting like children, and it even bleeds into the media. It, it's, I mean, it's embarrassing, honestly. Like, I'm I'm not going to mince words here, and it's childish, and it like. If, if that bothers you one way or another, because both sides are like guilty of it, but like if this kind of stuff makes you go like angry and like basically soil your pants on the internet, that's a you problem, man. You should probably get some hobbies or at least just find some sort of substance in your life. It's college football. It's rigged. Who gives a shit? Like it just, I don't know. It's just exhausting. Like I don't see how people live that way. What a miserable existence. I couldn't imagine. I really <laughs> so, couldn't. I, anyway, man, it, and the problem is that that perception. It. And, and but that perception like bleeds into uh, my my future and upward mobility here. Absolutely, uh, th- that's dude. the problem. It, it it directly affects me. We're in the same boat. That's why it pisses me off so bad. Like I mean, it it it's true. I mean, it's just the truth. Like whether you want to accept it or not, it's the truth. I couldn't agree more. And it's just, I mean, it's childish. Like people like le- that 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 have spent time in this state and then leave it, turn around and laugh. Like it it it's it's not it's not shed a good light the state at all it just makes everyone think uh the media here and fans and whatever are just nuts and that's not the case because the majority of the media contingent in the state that covers sports are good normal rational people it's just a few people that give the whole thing a bad name which really can kind of just uh go for anything in life yeah the same can be said for anything right and most beats that cover a college football program most of the people on the beat have like positive feelings towards the team they cover. I mean, most of them are are fans, right? I'm sorry. Gosh. Um, He's learning how to talk. You hear that? He's saying mom. Katie got first word. I didn't. He's saying mama. So, joke on me. But 
Yeah. Um, I, see, he's not doing it on purpose, though. I think, like... Do it. Say mama. Say it. Come on. Anyway, um, most beats have, have guys on it that are fans. I, like, I, I grew up in South Carolina. Most people on the South Carolina beat are South Carolina fans. Most people on the Clemson beat are, are Clemson fans. That's just kind of how it works. But I have not noticed, and maybe I just missed it growing up, I didn't notice this. I didn't notice the... You hear it now? Safe mama? Um, I didn't notice this kind of, of angle from these people. They were just more so homers for their own, and that was kind of it, but it was not vitriolic uh, like we get here sometimes. It, it's different. It is absolutely different. There are homers on every beat in, the, in America, but it just it doesn't go down this road in most places. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, th there's a source here that you could probably guess that most of this stuff stems from, but not going to really get into that today. But, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the appetite. Like, most people, like, college fans are more irrationally, like, are more irrational because they are, like, tied to the institution. Like, they go to college there. Like, it gives them just some sort of personal attachment that they don't have towards a professional sports franchise. But, yeah, I mean, that's why the fan sites work for the most of the time. And not all people that work at Rivals or 247 sites are fans. I Like, that's not what I'm suggesting at all. But, like, the Homer coverage is more palatable in college, where this shit on a professional beat just does not fly at all. I mean, it just, just doesn't happen because it's no. more cut and dry. It's a business. People aren't really that much. Like, it's, it's a different type of mo emotional attachment, I guess, for fans. But, yeah, it just it doesn't go to the level that it does in this state. But, anyway... That is enough of that. That's all that crap's going to make me nauseous. But anyway, I think we about covered it all today. Interesting show. Uh, really one with a lot of local news for Ole Miss because this is – I've kind of forgotten during the quarantine. This is technically an Ole Miss podcast where we cover Ole Miss things, but uh, there hasn't been a whole hell of a lot of Ole Miss news lately. So good to get a show in with a bunch of local stuff. I'm sure you're going to have questions for Friday's show. Mailbag Friday, the People's Holiday will return uh, Friday between now and then just send me your questions, text me, tweet me. I've already gotten a couple of them, uh, including one about the, uh, the Azcrack family and their son, Harry graduating that we will discuss on Friday. So send us your questions, <laughs> tweet me, tweet Borky, tweet whomever, send email us, text us, whatever, however you can get them in. We'll be back at it on Friday. Before we get out of here, I'll remind you one more time. If you're in the Oxford area, uh, you're going to want to go by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. It's grilling season. The weather's phenomenal. Uh, maybe pour up a drink, drink a couple beers, enjoy the weather outside, and throw something delicious on the grill. No better place to get started than LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg's got all kinds of delicious cuts of meats, steaks, sausages. The ribeye sausage is one of the finer delicacies in life. He's got the Lane Train special, the Keith Carter special. Go check out his Twitter page. I have it pulled up right now. Uh, let's see. That looks like some sort of bone-in ribeye. All kinds of delicious stuff. Swayze sausage, lane train fillet, stuffed mushrooms, someone says. It looks like Chris Malloy has been all kinds on the seafood and steak train at LB's. It is absolutely delicious. You're going to want to go check them out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Like I said earlier, we'll be back at it on Friday. Borky and I will be on Sports Talk Mississippi 3 to 6 p.m. as we are every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. But for Michael Borky, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We will catch you on Friday. A 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.